Welcome in to another edition of Divorce Force Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm very excited to introduce the next, next guest. She has spent her whole career in Kansas City in the sports industry. She started out with the Kansas City Chiefs and now is the manager of community partnerships and events for the Kansas City Royals. In addition to that, she is on the win board which is the Women's Intersport Network for Kansas City to empower young women. Awesome, awesome. Please welcome Angel McGee, everybody. Hi, Adam. Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you on. And, um, you know, I always like to start off, obviously, um, you know, you've been in Kansas City your whole career. But where did it all start? Where did that passion for sports begin? Uh, whether it was, you know, playing when you were younger or just, you know, going to games, you know, with friends and family? Yeah, my love for sports, it really started when I was younger. Um, I remember the first time I played basketball, I think it was in third grade. I, from that point on, I just, I think I just loved the knack for sports and it just <laughs> continued, continued to grow over the years. Um, as I continue to play more sports and be involved and um, really throughout middle school and high school, I, I pretty much knew that, you know, my career would end up in sports. My my first <laughs> dream ever was to play in the WNBA and um, pretty quickly nice. realized that that wasn't going to happen. And that was OK. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that at some point, though, that I would I would be in sports. Nice. And talk about, you know, your time in college and what was the goal uh, going in? What types of, you know, or mentors or advice did you get in college to be able to, you know, make that happen? Obviously, you know, that's a competitive industry, but what was it like just knowing that no matter what, I'm going to stay the course and just know that it's going to happen? Yeah. So through college, um, I ended up going to Truman State University and I graduated with my bachelor's in communications. And so throughout that time, uh, for the last two years of my college career, I ended up being the sports director for our campus television station at the time. And so, <laughs> you know, that experience really gave me not only the on camera experience, but also working behind the scenes with the editing portion, script writing, um, doing a lot of sideline reporting, play by play at the time. And so, gave me a, a variety of different skills to learn and to kind of strengthen. And um, throughout the way, I had wonderful um, counselors and, and a few professors, honestly, that really steered my way um, to actually write and to communicate. And I think building up those skills is what really propelled me into being confident and being in front of the camera, being and talking with people in general from a public speaking perspective. And so those skills that I learned throughout college actually really helped as I began to cultivate my professional career and being able to handle myself, but not only sit at the table with you know so many others around me. I mean, I'm sitting at the table with, um, from time to time, you've got team owners all the way down to my counterparts. <laughs> so it really just uh, provided me an opportunity to grow and enhance those skills when I was in school um, that ultimately, you know, transferred themselves into what I do day to day. Yeah, for sure. And what types of, you know, experience were you able to gain? Um, you mentioned the writing piece and then getting that action, you know, on camera. So what other key pieces 
uh, were you able to participate to, you know, what other internships uh, might you were able to get um, while you were at college? Yeah, so actually my first um, internship ended up was actually after college. During college, unfortunately, we had there was um, an internship program that I was a part of. And the, going into my senior year, the program actually folded with the mm. station that I was supposed to be <laughs> interning with. So talk about a gut blow. Um, that was actually going to be my senior year was the internship. So trying to hurry up and scramble and find <laughs> classes to, you know, to, to give me the credits to graduate was not something I would ever, ever, ever um, want to go through again, nor would I, you know, suggest that for anyone else, but it, it just ended up being my situation. But um, the resiliency that I had and bounced back from that, you know, ultimately uh, got me to where I needed to be. But my first internship ended up being with a um, basketball, an AAU basketball organization here in Kansas City, um, known as MoCan, and that was a sports marketing and management internship. Also, during the summer, um, while I was, uh, I think my freshman year in college, when I was trying to figure out what route I wanted to go within the realm of communications and journalism, I actually ended up interning at a um, radio station here in Kansas City, where my mom has worked for over 20 years. Um, and it's the, the hip hop and R&B station here in Kansas City is uh, Carter Broadcast Group with Hot 103 Jams. And I was actually in a summer intern with them. And so that was really fun. And, and um, learned a lot from that perspective. They also told me that I wanted to do more TV side of things. So it was good to have that experience, but then for it to actually fortify the route that I wanted to take. So fast forward back to Mocan, um, that ended up being, it was a sports internship, but it gave me, you know, some of the skill sets that I needed to not only conduct myself in a professional setting, but understanding, you know, office culture, and pretty much kind of, you know, some of the basic skills that, that your first job will teach you out of college. <laughs> and um, it was fun. It was great. It lasted for a couple of months just because of the season that they were in. And then I had a couple of months off and um, ended up progressing into the realm of the Chiefs and the Royals. I don't know if you want me to go into that right now or if you have follow-up questions for... Yeah, help. so... Um... Talk about the transition piece of getting the opportunity. You know, you had that internship after college, which was, you know, huge. Getting that experience after, you know, and that and the experience with the radio station is huge. So you had um, that experience as well. So how did that play into, you know, getting the opportunity? And not only that, but you were there, you know, for a good uh, extended period of time as well. You were there for uh, eight years, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Yes, <laughs> it is. Um, so, yeah, actually, my story is not traditional at all. Um, I do enjoy telling my story because it, it <laughs> brings the realness out of the the post college journey, and for a lot of a lot of people who think you know that we get sold this dream sometimes that we're going to go to college and then straight out of college we land our dream job, and that is not the case, and not the reality for everyone. So. For me, it was a little bit of a similar situation. Um, after I finished up my internship with Mokian, um, it wasn't until maybe maybe five months later that I actually uh, landed two part-time positions with both the Chiefs and the Royals at the same time. Um, on one side 
for the Chiefs, it was then uh, branded as the Sports Lab Guide. And that is pretty much where we taught health and wellness nutrition to schools and, and youth groups that came in throughout the week. Um, and on the weekends, it was a premier field trip destination. So every day was different, although we taught the same material and really encouraged kids to, you know, eat right and do things and stay active. The groups varying each day made it for a different experience each day. And so after they would spend time with us and learning more about, you know, what it is for health and wellness and with our team, um, the field trip is offset with a 60 minute tour around Arrowhead Stadium um, to get in their 60 minutes of play. So that pretty much kind of sums up what that position was. And then on the flip side of things, on the, on the Royal side, and being, I ended up being a mascot assistant, <laughs> which is a very interesting and fun job at the time. Um, it still is. And pretty much it sounds exactly just like it's stated. Um, it is going around and assisting the mascot as needed for, <laughs> for various events, games, you name it. I have probably experienced it and done it between gender reveals, baby showers, birthday parties, a, a wedding, <laughs> uh, corporate parties, carnivals we've done it all parades everything so um those were my first ends as far as getting involved with both organizations yeah that's huge and talk about the process and what was it like you know getting those opportunities what was you know did you have any mentors that were able to help in that process you know walk me through that yeah you know for me um a lot of the it, it was a lot of of doing and, and self-motivating, to be very honest, um, mm -hmm. and getting those positions, you know, a lot of that came through my mom. My mom is, you know, really one of my best friends. And so with her, she was just as involved with my job search at the time as I was. And she was, you know, the one that actually found those positions. I'd seen them, but <laughs> was like, I don't know what these are. And she saw them again and was like, no, I think you need to apply. And I took her word for it. And <laughs> Here we go. Eight years later, here I am. Um, so, you know, she was one of the ones that really first pushed me. And then along the way, I was able to meet a few folks here and there and just kind of, you know, some family friends and um, some of my college professors that continued to stay up with me. And as I continue to go up the, the ladder and go into different positions, different part time positions along the way, my bosses actually became my advocates, which is, it's unheard of for some people because you don't think about, you know, a lot of managers and, and a lot of supervisors may not necessarily be supportive in wanting to see you advance out of the current position that you're in. And luckily for me, my, my managers at the time both knew that I wanted to do more, I wanted to be more, and they were super supportive of me doing so. And that really made all the difference. Um, they were the ones to start making connections for me inside both organizations, passing along my resume. If I had questions, wanted to learn more about a position, they were really in my corner. And I think that was the game changer for the entire trajectory of my career, just because, you know, I can't, I, I, I talk about it, but I can't say that's the case for everyone. Um, in their professional careers. And it just so happened that I had two amazing people that were in my corner that helped me um, to continue along the way. Yeah, for sure. And I can imagine, like, 
when people think about, you know, opportunities with the team, they might think, well, I'll work for this team. However, you were doing at a time, you were actually working at Kansas City, for the Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals in, you know, during different times of the mm-hmm. year. Absolutely. Yep. So that has a lot to do with the time management. Um, <laughs> luckily, uh, where our stadiums sit, they both share the same piece of property. And so there will never be two games at the same time at both stadiums. So that helped a lot because it wasn't like I had to choose one or the, over the other. And so, um, you know, sometimes when the seasons overlap at the very end of the baseball season and at the beginning of football season, is usually my overlap. And so there was a period there when we were, you know, in the, especially when we were in 2014 and 2015 in postseason, um, by the time I was finishing up on the Royal side, we were already in week 10, week 11 on the football side. So that was crazy times to still be working for both. You know, I would start with one in the morning, change in my car <laughs> and, and walk across the street <laughs> to the other stadium to start the second shift for the night. So, you know, I really had a lot to do with the passion and I just was motivated. I wanted to do more um, and nothing really could stop me because I knew just what I wanted to do. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I love that you talk about, you know, that drive and that success. So, you know, talk about the community aspect of it and being involved you know, on the community partnership side and events. Obviously you had experience early on, but what made you decide that you wanted to get in the community relations, the community event side? Um, well, it's easier said um, than done. <laughs> um, <laughs> so truthfully, I ended up being the intern for the event presentation production department on the Royal side in 2016. And at the end of that term, um, as I was looking for jobs outside of the organization and in, inside of the organization, I was approached with an opportunity to come and be a part of uh, our Urban Youth Academy underneath the Royals. And so it's Kansas City MLB Urban Youth Academy. Um, and at the time it was being spearheaded by our general manager, Dayton Moore, as a new city uh, and youth initiative that would be coming to Kansas City. Um, for those who don't know, the Urban Youth Academies or the Youth Academies underneath Major League Baseball, there's about eight of them around the country. And Kansas City is one of the cities that does have one. Six of the eight are tied to a club. So out of those eight, only two of them are not um, operated by a major league baseball team. And that would be the Compton Youth Academy and the New Orleans Urban Youth Academy. And the rest of us are all tied to a team. So that would be Kansas City Royals, Texas Rangers, Houston Astros, Philadelphia Phillies, Cincinnati Reds, and the Washington Nationals. Um, And so we are all, all of our mission and our vision pretty much mirror each other. We are all set up in cities and in different segmented communities, low income communities um, to serve youth uh, from a different age range. Most of us are six, five or six to 18 years of age, but using baseball and softball as the vehicle and as the tool, but ultimately getting them in to um, provide structure, not only on the field, but academically and socially. And we do that, we all operate from, you know, what in tailor to our community. So what is, you know, the biggest need for our community is how we instill our programming, but we all at the end of the day have the same pillars and mission. And so with that opportunity, uh, I was approached by our now um, vice president of community impact for the Royals, but at the time he was the, the senior director of baseball administration. 
And um, he really just, you know, they said they had been watching me through the season and wanted to know, you know, what my plans were after the internship was over. And so um, in a span of three days, I went from being an intern to coming on board and being part of the Urban Youth Academy. And that is really what spearheaded where I am today. Um, I spent four years, the last four years, being and working with the Urban Youth Academy as the manager of communications and outreach. And in January of this year, 2021, um, we've had some internal changes as we've changed over ownership. We've designed new departments and restructured them. And so that also included me. Um, so I transitioned from working at the Urban Youth Academy, which is, you know, which is about 10, 15 minutes away from our stadium. But um, we're all housed <laughs> under the same, same organization, the Kansas City Royals. But it brought me from the youth side of things, which I absolutely loved and still do, into the community partnerships realm. And so now into the community relations realm, which for my previous position with the academy is really what I was doing. So there wasn't any, there's no brand new sense of things. It's just changing the, the trajectory from working on mainly youth initiatives to now working on Royals baseball initiatives, but also including other things in between. And the Academy is still one of them. So still working and having a hand in the Academy, but now everything that I'm doing, all the work that I'm a part of um, is, is solely focused from a, a Royals baseball perspective. For sure. And I want to touch on, you know, that Urban Youth Academy and what you learned during your time there and talk about, you know, getting more people and more kids involved in the game of baseball who don't have access mm -hmm. to either, you know, the playing games or even the sports equipment. As Absolutely. Well. I mean, the primary reason that the, ex the academy exists is for that very reason. Um, and it really came down to an initiative that was started by Major League Baseball because of the lack thereof in certain communities, specifically in hmm. black and brown communities as to why kids weren't playing the sport. Well, then you start having to dig and understanding why. And it comes down to a lot of the times, the lack of access, lack of resources, and simply the lack of opportunities. You know, kids are only gonna be involved in, in wanna play sports that they are seeing. You know, if, if their friends are playing it or if they've got family playing or, if it, you know, if it's around them, if you're not exposed to it, you have no idea it exists. So that's the biggest thing as to why the Academy exists in the main mission in making sure that we are offering programs and opportunities to kids that might not have it outside of us. And so the biggest part of that is also that all of our programming is free. So we have weekly programs, we have weekend programs, clinics, events, all kinds of things as far as just tailoring to the sport itself, whether it's a pitching clinic or a hitting clinic or a weekly workout that's going over all defensive positions, outfield positions. Um, it's really tailored all around to give kids a basic understanding of the game, but also in the same sense that you've got coaches and you've got mentors around you that you know, want to see you do well and want to see you succeed, not only on the field, but off the field. And so that's when our education sector comes in because we have a variety of education and academic programs as well to, to go alongside exactly what we're teaching. Yeah, that's awesome. You talk about the academic piece. Um, what are some, during your time involved with you know, the Kansas City Urban Youth Academy, what are some of the uh, 
things that you are most proud of, you know, and, and to help grow the game through, you know, the youth. Oh, for sure. I think, you know, being a part of this project as it unfolded from pretty much um, since inception, uh, it was, it's been so rewarding to see the kids that we've started with in where some of them are now. Um, we've had turnstile, I think it was since we opened our doors in 2018, we've had a turnstile number of about 34,000 kids come through our, our doors, wow. which is unheard of. Um, <laughs> and it just shows you the need that's there and the want and the willingness to be involved in these programs. Um, you know, I'm thinking right now, oh, there's so many kids that are coming to my mind. We've been able to take kids to All-Star Weekend each year. Um, All-Star Week, I should say, where they compete against other academies. You know, we form a team, a baseball team and a softball team, and they both go and compete against the other, the other academies. And, you know, that moment for them being a part of, you know, for some of them, it was their first time on an airplane. You know, so it, it comes down, it put, really puts things into perspective. We're thinking we're just traveling. For some of these kids, they've never even been on an airplane before. So, you know, between that and seeing their faces light up when they're, you know, at the, the home run derby and really getting into all the festivities of All-Star Week and playing, it's, it's un, you know, it's unreal. We're taking kids each year, you know, outside of COVID. Um, each year, we take a group of kids to spring training, to Royal Spring Training in Surprise, Arizona. That's an experience for these boys who are not only being around the big league players, but also seeing the minor league players who, for some, might be the same age as them, <laughs> you know, as we recruit younger <laughs> and out of high school. And, you know, so them seeing like, wow, he's just, you know, either my age or just a few years older than me. And he's up at this level motivates a lot of them. Um, but then we talk about coming back down to the academic level and watching, you know, our boys and our girls sign to colleges you know, getting them workouts, getting them in, in, in contact with college coaches and, you know, allowing them to go to really elite showcases, hosting MLB showcases at the academy. I mean, it's, it's all few and far in between. And even down to our elementary level, you've got a, a lot of these kids who have started out at the younger ages and are now still in our programs and now recruiting their own family members. You know, we've got little siblings that were running around a few years ago and now they're in the programs with their siblings as well. So it, it touches all around all the parameters and seeing just the impact um, over the years. And even I say over the years, like it's been 20 years, but just in this small time, <laughs> I've been able to see so many, so many kids' lives um, positively impacted by our presence. Yeah, for sure, that's huge. And what do you think is the most challenging part you know, when dealing with uh, kids who don't have, you know, access to the game or, or, you know, in those low income communities, what is the most challenging part still that is facing, you know, those kids who want to play? You know, the game a lot of the times um, what we're seeing is, you know, for some of them, it's just the lack of, of a resource at home. Um, and then also the parental buy-in, you know, it, we have to get the parents on board as well. You know, we can only, we can use the kids, but if we don't get the buy-in from our parents and our parents are not understanding what we're doing, then he makes it really tough to make an impact and to get the kids there. 
Um, I think that's probably the biggest piece that we try to continuously massage over the years is just making our parents understand why this is a great program, why we're, you know, exactly what we're doing and making sure they're involved too, because, you know, studies show that when the parents are involved and the kids are involved all together, the, the, the ratio for them to keep coming back and the success portion of it continues to turn over. And so I think that's what we're continuously building upon is getting the family dynamic involved um, and increasing that base. And so once you've got more than one kid, <laughs> more than one of them in our programs, it, it's kind of like, a, all right, you know, we're putting, we put pressure on the kids to put pressure on their parents. <laughs> and so it's hard to not, you know, want to see, you know, when your kid is bugging you to do something, normally as parents, we give into it. So for them to, to create the excitement and to see like, oh, I love going here and hearing the testimonials from so many parents, even from, you know, off the field, you know, attending a science of baseball camp at the academy. And he may not be the best player on the field, but his favorite subject is, is math and science. And this was the perfect way to get him involved or her involved. You know, it's all about um, the, the buy-in from the parents and getting the family involved. Yeah, for sure. And you talk about that and the academic piece. How important is it to, you know, incorporate STEM and the STEM environment, but also connecting that to sports and kind of creating that holistic experience uh, that it's, it's not just about the game, but it can create this experience for the child to improve their for learning sure. ability. The one thing that we preach at the academy is that academics come first, um, first and foremost, you know, you can, it, it won't matter, you know, you can be the best player on the field, but if those academics and those grades are not matching what your capabilities are on the field, it, you might as well hang it up. Um, so just as tough as we are on the field and making sure we want to provide opportunities for all of our athletes, we use that same energy off the field and in the classroom and academically. So that has what really spearheaded our academic side of things and our programs and initiatives to make sure that we're meeting the whole person when it comes to these young athletes, that we're not only aiding them on the field, but we're aiding them in the classroom. So they, they have somewhere to go, you know, between science and baseball summer camps, um, all the way up to ACT prep and everything in between, you know, it's just making sure that there is an avenue there that they cannot say or use an excuse as to, you know, I didn't have the resources when, you know, coming to the academy. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And um, so going, transitioning into the professional side and um, the royal side of, you know, that community piece. So obviously, you know, sports has a huge impact. And when it comes to, you know, players being active in the community, how fun is that to, you know, work with the team, work with players to, you know, kind of spearhead some of their own initiatives to impact the community in a positive way. I think way. it's super essential that, you know, players are involved in the communities and we're supporting their initiatives as well. Um, these kids love seeing and being around players, right? So when you're talking about a professional <laughs> team and being at the academy, um, from time to time, it comes up when we have special clinics or special events with players. I mean, you know, everyone freaks out. It's, it's a great time, but it, it talks about the culture that we're establishing as an organization. You know, for so many of our players, they, they have their own foundations and or they're attached to a community initiative 
here in Kansas City that they are very, very passionate about. And for a good number of them, that includes youth. And so, you know, we're able to utilize that and piggyback off of that when it comes to support from the holistic realm, as far as the world organization in supporting our communities. You know, we love seeing our players do stuff in the communities. We love seeing them have an attachment and when their families get involved, when their wives get involved. It's, you know, it's amazing to see how everyone is working together to make sure um, that we're, we're being impactful as well. And, and not only from the, the field perspective, but what they're doing off of the field at the same time. For sure. And that doesn't always meet the headlines, but I would imagine, you know, with the season coming up, um, you know, and what a year, you know, with last year being what it was, how, what are some things that the Royals did and the community to enhance and improve, you know, that impact on, you know, COVID you know, and the pandemic? The, the pandemic really, um, it really shaped and changed a lot of things. For us, I think from an from an academy perspective, because I spent all of my time during the pandemic working with the academy, and so from that perspective, you know, we had to shift a lot of things around, and that included going virtual for a lot of different programming. Um, thankfully, because of our facility and um, how big our our complex is, you know, we were able to shift later in the summer and going into the beginning of the school year, we were able to shift a lot of things from the indoors to outside. So, you know, still the social distancing, still having masks, um, but still having the ability to facilitate programming. It had to be, you know, reduced uh, by 50, uh, 50% capacity, but still having that outlet for kids to come out and play. And then from a team perspective, it was a little bit more difficult because at that point in time, the season had been delayed um, baseball did not come back into play until, you know, late summer. And so finishing off the season, there wasn't a whole, a lot of community initiatives that could be, um, implemented. And especially from a player perspective, because at that point in time, there was just so much happening, you know, so many restrictions and things of that nature, but it was able to show us what we can do going forward and how to come around and come alongside that. So for some initiatives, um, we were able to take things virtually, which was awesome, and still be able to come alongside the community, you know, from virtual, a virtual 5K run, you know, um, hosting kids in a virtual Zoom for Jackie Robinson Day, um, also floating around to having blood drives at the K instead of in the community when a lot of a lot of locations were either closing down or there wasn't space to host blood drives. And, you know, um, that was a huge need at the time for our community here in Kansas City, at least, uh, in the need for blood and, and having those community drives multiple times last year and hosting them at the uh, at Kauffman Stadium, which had really never been done before. So um, seeing, you know, just going forward, the power of what we can do when we maximize our resources. Uh, will make it about two times better than what we have been doing. So I think that was probably the beauty in getting through the pandemic is seeing that there's two sides to two different things that we can do. There's always a virtual perspective now, and then there's an in-person perspective. So we can hit two different communities in two different ways and still have a valuable impact. 
Yeah, I love that. And and the community impact doesn't just uh, carry on, you know, on the professional level. You are also on, you know, multiple boards, one in particular, the Win for Kansas City Advisory Board. Talk about that and, you know, their mission to empower, you know, females and girls to play the game and just improve the empowerment yeah, for so female leaders. Win for KC is a not-for-profit organization that also is under the Kansas City Sports Commission umbrella. Um, but like you just stated, their main mission is to empower girls through sports. And so uh, it was an easy no-brainer <laughs> to be, come on and be a part of their board when that is literally <laughs> my entire life um, in, in focusing on the different initiatives and also having a daughter that plays sports. I mean, it was so many different synergies that it was hard to even say no. Um, so, but being a part of that board and just seeing the different opportunities and the events, we just had our um, our annual sports award luncheon, the Winford Casey Sports Award luncheon. And, you know, we had to go virtual this year, but even still recognizing all the wonderful women who have made so much progress and have done so many amazing things. And all of the girls who were state champions on both the Missouri and Kansas side, uh, we this year our featured speaker was Sarah Thomas, the first NFL full-time woman official, um, and, and hearing a lot from her story. So it just continues to per- to perpetuate, you know, women's influence in the world of sports, and it's flowing down to the girls. The girls are now seeing what women are doing in sports these days, and I think it's going to continue to grow. Um, and in Kansas City, it's just it's it's amazing to watch. For sure. And obviously the, you know, being a female in the sports industry, you know, can be a challenge. However, obviously there's been improvements, but do you see, obviously, do you see that being, you know, still a challenge or a barrier? Um, No, I don't, I don't think, I, I think it all depends on the individual what you put your mind to will dictate what you're going to get through. For me, I never once put myself in a box. Um, Of course, you know, cliche and status quo will tell you that sports is a man's world, but here I am working in the sports world. (laughs) So, and seeing so many counterparts continue to advance up the ladder and assume positions of leadership and authority within the sports world um, is super, super enlightening. And it's so inspiring to see, that, you know, a lot of them are paving the way and they don't even, you know, they know it, but I don't think they ever knew that they would be in that position to do so. So I feel like it's still, it's, it's an ever-changing world, um, you know, for any individual. It's, it's all about how you see yourself. You know, you can't compare your journey and your story to anyone else's because your story and your journey is yours and it's yours to own, it's yours to create. And so I think, you know, we're just seeing a, a, a wonderful change you know in a movement happening where it's becoming more inclusive for anyone to be in the world of sports for sure i love that you gotta have you know there may be people who don't believe in you or um you know there's gonna be haters but you gotta have you gotta be your right right you You are your best advocate that's the one piece of advice i always tell everybody (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Um, so talk about balancing, you know, the professional piece and the personal side and, and being, you know, 100 percent committed on the professional side, but also committed, you know, 100 yeah, percent. I always tell everyone well. I have the best job in the world, but my 
the best job in the world is me being a mom and and understanding <laughs> that balance of work life um my kids my 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 daughter she comes first so i have to find ways in making sure that i'm <laughs> taking care of you know outside of the the house but inside of the house if that's not taken care of then nothing else matters so but um i'm so grateful that she's able to see me thrive in the industry that i'm that i'm in um being a leader and and being a part of such amazing organizations from a volunteer basis that it's really come down and, and it's starting to to saturate her you know she's she's been so used to you know mommy being working <laughs> for the chiefs working for the royals that it, it's like it's like what i don't she doesn't know anything else outside of that world and so she's seeing firsthand sports from my perspective as a woman you know it's not so much a player or anything it's it's you know her mom is working in this industry but continuing to maintain the professional side but also maintaining her rearing and her growing and um, making sure that she understands her her place in the world that she can be anything that she chooses to be and I will always have her back 1000% whichever way that goes. <laughs> I love that and talk about just the the mission because I, I tend sometimes you know, people might think it's a trade-off where they have to go 100%, you know, professionally or if they got to go 100%, you know, with the family and, and some somewhere, it, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too almost, but how do you have in your mind? It's like, oh, no, well, it there's, have to there's be no a trade-off. trade-off. I think it just really comes down to understanding perspective, understanding responsibility, um, understanding what comes first. For so many of us, it's easy to, you know, to get wrapped up in our jobs, but um, at the end of the day, you know, it's those intangibles that you, you can't get back. I can't get back watching my daughter grow up. I can't get back, you know, family ties and, and family, <laughs> anything, you know, it's, it's making sure that everything fits together perfectly um, and maintaining that balance as we go forward. For sure, for sure. And talk about you know, for those who want to get in the industry, you know, male, female, what advice would you give them? You mentioned one already, but something, you know, they want to go to work in the sports industry. Um, what advice would you give those individuals? Don't be afraid of the word no. Um, you know, there's there's this thing that a no is just a delay. It's not a deny, it's, it's just a, a delay. <laughs> Um, I often share this this part of my story as well. The internship that I talked about previously in 2016, I applied for that same internship in 2013 and got rejected. <laughs> so I put my head down and I kept working. And you know, part of the reason I didn't receive the first, get it the first time around, I told I was told that I didn't have enough experience in the in the in the space I was in. So what did I do? I got experience the next three years in the space I was in and ended up becoming the intern for the 2016 season. So never be deterred by a no. Um, like I stated before, you are your best advocate. Um, so nobody can advocate better, better uh, than you can for yourself. Now we can talk about mentors and sponsors along the way, but ultimately when you get into a space where you're confident within yourself, you're your best advocate. Um, also networking, that is the biggest Thing. I will say this, 
I have not <laughs> filled out a job application since 2013. <laughs> Yet I have had over wow. five different positions <laughs> since that time. I have not filled out a job application since 2013. So the world, <laughs> yes, when you put it into perspective, insane. absolutely. <laughs> um, so all of those, all of those opportunities came within me networking within the both organizations. You know, um, are talking to my bosses, having them support me and put in words for me uh, to other supervisors and other directors. It just kept the, you know, it kept climbing, it kept going up. So networking is the biggest tool. I think you have to be able to, to network and, and build your network. Um, we're living in the day of, of course, it's all about who you know, not what you know. You know there's some there's some parameters around that, but um, it really does come down to who you know, but who are you getting to know? That's 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 how you build it. Mm -hmm. For sure, I love that. And and talk about. I, I want to just hit on this uh, one thing as well. When you were, you know, applying to opportunities, you mentioned, was it ever in your mind that you might be open to relocating, or was it always you were determined to make sure that you were going to start? you know, and, and get oh, an opportunity yeah. in specifically Kansas within City. the world of sports. At some point in time, you have to be, there's a, there's part of you that has to be willing to relocate just because the industry is, is very much, um, it is specific to an extent. So, you know, you, it's, there's only certain teams <laughs> in certain States and in certain cities. So, if you're in, and I say that from a professional mm -hmm. sports <laughs> view. Now we, we can start talking collegiate we can start talking amateur independent minor league things of that nature and then you open up a world of opportunities mm -hmm. but for me there was a point in time yes that I did have to understand um to be able to keep growing and keep pursuing that I may have to relocate but as the world and as you know my journey would have it fortunately I didn't have to do that you know to be to be a Kansas City native and working for two sports teams in my city I you know I knew I would be in sports but I don't think that I could have forecast that <laughs> when I was younger. I think that would be like, whoa, you're going to luck up. That's luck. But it ended up being, it's, it's part of my journey. And what is your favorite uh, childhood moment oh, going childhood to a game that you remember? A game. You know, it's for, for the Royal side of things, it's always been opening day. Um, I think like my mom and her job, they always get opening day tickets every year. So we would look forward to, you know, it was always opening day <laughs> as I grew up and got older. Um, and then as I started to kind of make my own mark that allowed me to start, you know, spreading my wings a little bit and, and getting into other markets. And so, you know, I, one of my first early memories of a sports event, believe it or not, is when Kansas city had a, a hockey team, the Kansas city blades at the time, um, we have the Kansas City Mavericks now, but back then they were the Kansas City Blades. And I went to a hockey game and I had the time of my life. Um, ended up going to a NASCAR race. <laughs> had the time of my life. So there's so many instances <laughs> where they were very, um, as you may not call, may call them, kind of just out of the ordinary experiences. But it just further, it further solidified my love for sports, you know, in um you know, one instance, I will say I, I had to I was forced to take a golf, uh, <laughs> a golf class during the summer of one of my summer camps. And I think that permanently <laughs> deterred me from <laughs> from golf. 
But, you know, I'll be out there all day if if I have to be, you know, for any community initiative and whatnot. But um, it gave me the the opportunities to experience a lot of different sports um, and get into them in ways that I hadn't before. So being able to experience some of those as a kid really just revved up my love for the games. Yeah, I love that. Oh my How gosh. loud does it, everyone It is get? a hair-standing experience. <laughs> it is, there's nothing like being down on the field, <laughs> in the middle of the field, because I, I direct our flags when we're in season. COVID, we didn't do it this year, but normally I'm directing our flags with our season ticket members. And so I am on the field, in the middle of the field, with all my season ticket members, as the team intros are happening, the pyro is exploding, the fireworks are exploding, the crowd is roaring. There is no feeling, no experience that can uh, correlate to that. I love it, Angel. Well, I appreciate you coming on the pod. If you know people want to yeah, reach out to find you, me on LinkedIn. Uh, what's it's the best way to do that? Angel McGee um, for the Kansas City Royals, and connect with me there. Awesome, Angel. Well, I appreciate you coming on the pod this evening. And yeah, uh, I mean, we could continue the conversation. I'm sure we will. Uh, afterwards. No problem. And, Thank uh, you so much, Adam, yeah, for having me. I appreciate you coming on. You as well. Thank you.